This programme was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. Hello and welcome to Alive with Bhavna. Today's show is um, we're continuing with the mindfulness journey with Natalie. And, yeah, welcome to the studio, Natalie. Thank you very much, Bhavna. I'm surprised you'll have me back after my last performance, but we will see what's happened. (laughs) So, how was um, the mindfulness practice? Okay, I'm going to be very brutally honest here. Started off well on the next day and did my mindfulness practice properly in the garden, sat in a nice chair, making the funny noises, and my cat turned round and looked at me as if to say, Mummy, you're not well, which was very funny and completely distracted me. So I've carried on with it, but not always doing all the steps all the time. But I've been very aware of things like when I have my shower, you said to be aware of your body, and I treated myself to this really amazing body wash that's um, got rose and I think it's sandalwood, and and it makes me feel really good in the shower, yeah. and it makes me feel very in touch with myself. So I thought, well, that's part of mindfulness, definitely. And um, but as for and I try and sit out and just look at nature every day which I like but I did notice over the weekend which this weekend as we all know in Hawke's Bay has been pretty stressful that yeah I could feel the anxiety rising and had to take myself out of the game and off Facebook and things for a while just to come back to normal yeah yeah and this week um particularly obviously this with Cyclone Gabriel has been very traumatic whether you were directly affected by it in terms of losing your house or loved ones or not it's still affecting each and every one of us in various ways yeah yeah and i've got friends like i'm sure most people in the bay because we're a pretty close-knit community that have lost absolutely everything and i think what i was starting to feel and I've heard it's usual, but is is a form of guilt because I was okay. Yeah. Um, but going forward, I know there's other ways I can help. So that's what I've tried to tell myself. So I tried to use the um, tools you gave me last time because I could feel my jaw tensing and me grinding my teeth and doing all those stress reactions. And it was really helpful to be able to acknowledge it yeah. and sit back from it and go, okay, it's all right. Yeah. And I even got my colouring book out, my mindfulness colouring book. <laughs> Get on, yeah. And it is, especially with this time, it is really important to look at that self-care in terms of just getting us out of fight flight. Not permanently because... We're living in a disaster zone. We're living under state of emergency. So when I say getting out of fight flight, I don't mean permanently. I mean just for two minutes, 
a day, just for five minutes a day, just for that one little breather. And I think of it as more like kind of being a dolphin or something like that. And you're living underwater, you're living in a stressful condition. But as long as you come up every now and then, breathe out and then go back in, take a big gulp of air, go back in, you can do the underwater, you can do the distress, and you come back up, take another gulp of air and go back down. So these tools that we spoke about last time is really important to play with and not in the sense of doing the formal practice because like you said, um, initially it went well and then under normal circumstances it does decrease but in the situation we are in at the moment, a sitting practice is really, really hard to do. Um, I'm a lot more experienced at you than you at this whole thing and I haven't been doing a sitting practice because when your body's in fight flight or freeze, it's hard to sit and try and focus and do those things. And that's why we do a practice called the walking meditation. So, yeah. yeah. I've just tried the walking meditation <laughs> and... Um, yeah. Well, before you tell us your experience, let me just explain what walking meditation is. I think so, because it's quite different. (laughs) So walking meditation is basically under distress, a natural thing for us to do is pace. We pace up and down. Uh, When we're waiting for something, anytime we're distressed, our bodies naturally go into a pacing behavior. Some people go into cleaning. Some people go into monotonous stuff like knitting or um, painting or just anything that's monotonous, repetition. Because what our, when our bodies are in fight or flight, it's all over the show. Any simple repetitive action, think of babies. When they're distressed, we rock them. We hold them. Uh, when we distress, we naturally pace because it's a monotonous, repetitive action. Music does the same if it's got the right beat in it. It calms the nervous system because it talks to that part of our brains that are activated by fight or flight, and it brings in that rhythm of calming. You know, same thing with the heartbeat, poof, 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 poof. Any rhythmic sounds helps the nervous system to calm down. And that's what we're doing in walking meditation. We're taking a rhythmic action, an action that we all do every day, and turning it into meditation. So the way you do walking meditation, shoes on or off makes no difference, inside, outside makes no difference. You're choosing a walking path probably about 15, 20 steps wide, or long and the idea is you're just going to pace but you're going to pace mindfully so you start by standing and actually just coming into your body and noticing what does it feel like to stand in my body at this moment what does my body feel like in a standing pose let's call it standing meditation what does it feel like as I'm standing and really bring your attention into how your body's feeling How are you holding your body up? Then noticing how you're standing, coming down to your feet, and noticing that idea that before you can take a first step, 
you actually have to move your weight to one side. And choosing, thinking again, which, okay, do I always start on that foot? So noticing your weight change. And then very deliberately taking that first step, noticing just the under part of your foot. Noticing which part of your foot is making contact with the land, with the ground. Walking as slowly as you can, so this is not about getting your steps in. You're walking as slowly as you can, really noticing that minute part of how do I walk, which part of my body is touching the ground at this moment. Noticing the weight change from one foot to the next and really playing with that idea of how do I transfer weight? How do I take off that next step? Which part of my foot is touching the ground? And do the walk until you reach the end of your path. Stop, turn around. And unlike the sitting practice, the walking practice has these built-in checkpoints. So if you're thinking of spout something, if your mind's gone somewhere, it's taking a breath, it's bringing yourself back into your body and really, really slowly taking that first step and walking again to the end of your path, stop, turn around and walk back. And what you might notice when you do this practice is that you generally always start on one side. Become curious about that. And which way I turn? I always turn that way. What happens if I turn the other way? So really becoming curious as to how you move and what you're doing in your body at this moment as you're doing the simple everyday action of walking up and down. If you're feeling anxious, slow the walking down as slowly as you can. So you're doing the opposite of what fight flight wants you to do. If you're feeling tired or exhausted, speed it up slightly. So you're bringing some energy into your movement. And it's just walking up and down for 10, 15 minutes because physiologically doing any repetitive movement in that way changes our mindset. So if you're feeling distressed, you go for a walk, a 15-minute walk, not even mindfulness walking, and it will change your your energy. It will change your mindset. Um, Painting is monotonous. Mowing the lawn, some people love it for that because you're going up and down, up and down. It's a monotonous, repetitive action. It doesn't need thinking. It doesn't need planning. But it's moving the body. And any 15 minutes of movement of the body in a repetitive way will calm your nervous system down. So you didn't do 15 minutes. You only did a quick five minutes. So probably not the best experience. But how was it? Um Interesting, because of course I was doing it here in the office and I didn't have a very um, long long way to go. But even in that short amount of steps I was doing, I kept thinking at first, how do I walk? You know, I could feel the tension in my neck and I could feel the tension in my shoulders initially when I was stood there because of course I've been on the computer all morning and on the phone and doing all those things and then I was like well I'm stood here which foot do I use and 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 it was and then I was like right just just let yourself walk and then it was a case of 
oh, my balance isn't very good. No, my balance isn't very good. And the slower I walked, the harder it was for me to keep my balance. So if I do it at home, I'm going to do it with my shoes off. Um, And I'm going to look at my balance as well, because if I keep doing this, my balance will improve. And my balance is off because I have got a big person on tiny feet. We don't know how this worked, but I have got very small feet for, and I'd go everywhere at a rush. Yeah. And I couldn't work out. I was trying to be mindful and not get distracted because I'm an input, input, must do type person. Yeah. And I was like, when do I walk this slow? And the only place I could think of was Kmart. So suddenly I felt like I was in a shop. And then I was like, don't go into the shop. Concentrate on what you're doing. So I'm sure I'm not the only person out in the world whose mind is all over the place all the time. So work with me and work with Bavna. And I'm probably the naughtiest student she's ever going to have in her life. But if we can crack this... um, it's it's very interesting, and the fact that I do spend my life rushing around. Was there any moment, one or two steps, where you actually were in your body and noticing your feet? Yes, okay. and that's when I noticed I didn't feel very balanced, and I didn't feel very stable, but then both my feet cricked, and that's why, because I've got... Um, injuries and then once they cricked I felt better but it was the I was very aware of my heel to toe and also my turning motion yeah so that was good yeah and it's lovely that you're talking about these difficulties because I'm sure the listeners out there would have the same thing it's noticing a big part of mindfulness is about noticing our critical mind so as you're walking, the first thing you said is, oh, I don't have good balance. Um, a judgment, a criticism mm. uh, put down in terms of big person, small foot. All these things is, that's the nature of the mind. It's abusive in that sense. Okay, so I think of it as, yeah, a two-year-old who's really abusive towards me. And it's not because it's naughty. It's just a two-year-old says whatever they want. So it's noticing that critical mind and actually being a loving parent, loving but firm parent to your two-year-old mind. In terms of going, uh-uh, you can't speak to me that way. Because if anyone else spoke to you the way you just spoke to yourself or spoke about yourself, you would take offense. But when you say these things to you or about you, it's the truth. It's real. It's fact. Um, a friend said, hmm, you've gone fat. You'd actually go, yes, I know, but that's a bit rude to say. It's true, though. <laughs> <laughs> we take offense if someone says it. So it's noticing that critical mind and just lovingly, gently going, uh-uh, you can't speak to me that way, and come back to what does it feel like, not what's your mind doing. But which part of your foot is touching the ground? And even if you only do that for two breaths in your 10, 15 minutes, that's okay. Mm-hmm. This is not about changing your mind overnight because you can't. It's really playing with an idea of 
Okay. Can I just do the first step consciously, deliberately, mindfully, and then I can go into la-la land until the last step and go, shit, I don't know where I was. Stop, turn around, (laughs) breathe, come back into my body. First step consciously. Mm. And it's slowly training the mind to just be here. It's the same with the sitting practice. I'm assuming when you did your sitting practice, you struggled to stay present. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I could do for a little while and then I'd be like, oh, look at that. Oh, wow. Oh, I just heard a tui. And then your your critical mind probably went, you're so useless, you can't do this. Well, my critical mind did give me a bit of a kick up the bottom, yes. Yes. Yeah, because my critical mind is incredibly critical. Yeah. Yeah. And if we call it a critical mind, it's almost saying it's okay. Calling it abusive kind of makes it real that I'm abusing myself. Which sounds absolutely dreadful. It is absolutely dreadful. The way we talk to ourselves is abusive for most people. The way we talk to ourselves is abusive. We would not like it if anyone else spoke to us the way we speak to us. And we would not speak to people the way we speak to ourselves. Absolutely not. So why the double standard? Why is it okay for you to talk to you that way, but you won't speak to me that way? Why the double standard? I've got to say to that, I actually don't know. Is it through training, experience, or or is it, does it just happen? <laughs> it doesn't just happen. Um, we've been taught to abuse ourselves, sadly. And again, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your country, your gender, whatever other qualities you want to look for. Um, It really doesn't matter. As a species, we learned how to abuse ourselves. Um, Part of it is cultural. Part of it is environment, depending on where you grew up. So I grew up in apartheid South Africa. Being an Indian woman meant I was less than... Um, so my, my environment already told me from whenever age I could understand, I am less than purely because of my gender and my race. And then it's stuff that people tell us, you know, parents might've gone, if looking at the weight stuff, you know, mm, Oh, look at that person. She's so fat or whatever. And then we go, Oh, okay. So fat is wrong and bad. Okay. Oh, that one's too loud. Okay, so I mustn't talk loudly. I mustn't do this. I mustn't do... So we've learned to judge ourselves and make ourselves wrong in bed. And the other way we learned this is we saw our parents doing it. We saw our mums looking at their bodies and judging it critically or doing whatever. And we learned, oh, that's what you do. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So we learned it from there. And the other place we learned how to abuse ourselves and this applies to what you said last time as well is abuse Mm. if you've suffered any form of physical psychological or sexual abuse in order to protect yourself you have to make you wrong or bad so it's my it's a defense mechanism to myself to keep myself safe 
And especially if your abuser was a trusted figure, was someone, your parents or a family member, hmm. because your safety depends on them as an infant, as a child, they can't be horrible people because your safety depends on this person. So it must be you who's wrong and bad because your safety depends on them. So million reasons as to why we have an abusive mindset. It's not so much trying to undo the why, but it's just playing with the idea that the mind is like a two-year-old. And if you really do this practice, you'll notice how much like a two-year-old your mind is. Firstly, it talks nonstop, just like any other two-year-old. Before <laughs> you awake, it starts, and it carries on right through the day. Secondly, it's repetitive as hell. It's boring. The things you say to yourself is so boring because you say the same thing over and over and over again. Oh, my mother, I must do this. Okay, I must do this. I must exercise. I must exercise. I must exercise. And you keep saying it to yourself, and it sounds like brand new information every time you say it, so you keep saying it because you're responding to it. So we're really, really boring, just like two-year-olds. They can watch the same program. They do the same action over and over and over again. It's egocentric. It's all about me. Mm. And... Like two-year-olds, it doesn't really think about the consequences. So it can call you fat, stupid, ugly, whatever it wants to. There's no consequences. And we've all known of two-year-olds in the supermarket pointing at someone and going, Mommy, she's whatever, or he's whatever. And we go, we think it, we don't say it. Then when they're three or four, they learn, oh, yeah, I don't say it, and I don't point at the person going, look there. Um, But I do look there. Um... So it's playing with the idea that your mind is a two-year-old. Mm. And like any two-year-old, it needs a loving, firm parent. Because that's what we do with two-year-olds. We teach them how to be decent or half-decent human beings. And not to point at people in the yeah. supermarket. And not to be abusive. Yeah. You know, when a two-year-old says something rude, we go, uh-uh, we don't speak that way. Or you can't, or if they use, um, so we're not only abusive with the things we say, but also the tone of voice. Yeah. So if you're shouting at yourself, pulling at yourself, pulling yourself, ordering yourself around, that's abuse. You wouldn't put up with that from other people. Why do you put it up with your two-year-old? So it's really being firm with tone of voice and words that we use and going, uh-uh, we don't speak that way. Think of your mind-body as a house. Your two-year-old is running this house at the moment. You need to activate your inner parent and parent two-year-old because a house run Gosh, by a two-year-old is chaos. It's disorganized. It's manic. So in my body, in my mindfulness practice, is yeah. that like me finding a timeout step? It's activating the inner parent and actually parenting to two-year-old for that moment. You're not time-out. Time-out is, again, a negative. Yeah. You, your two-year-old is a naughty. It's just doing what a two-year-old does. <laughs> they designed to do this. It's not naughty. It's not bad. We don't want to make – we don't want to vilify the mind because the mind's a lovely 
amazing tool mm. if we use it properly. If we don't use it properly, like the saying says, what the mind is a brilliant worker, a horrible master. Yes, I've heard that before. And that's a sit. You know, so I don't want it to be the boss of me. I want to be the boss. And once I give it a job, it's happy to do jobs. It loves doing jobs. Okay, so much more walking meditation for me, I think. Walking or sitting, um, walking or sitting meditation doesn't, doesn't matter which one you do. The attitude of doing the practice is exactly the same. Relaxing, letting go noticing the abuse and just going, "Uh uh-uh, you can't speak to me that way. And also throughout the day, noticing if you make a mistake or you do something and you go, you idiot. It's like, whoa, uh uh-uh, can't speak to me that way. Really keep telling the two-year-old, you can't speak to me that way. This is going to be a really amazing time for me because I've had other people go, gosh, Nat, you're too hard on yourself. For years and years and years. And I go, no, I'm not. It's just the way I am. Yeah. I've got a two-year-old that's out of control. Yeah. What's going to happen when my two-year-old's in control? Well, being a two-year-old with parental control. Yes. I'm going to be amazing. Yeah. I will be amazing and I am You are amazing, amazing already. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's it for us for today. So it's keep doing the formal practice, keep doing the informal practice with the distress that we're in at the moment in terms of Hawke's Bay. It's really, really practicing kindness to yourself. And even if that kindness is just your body wash or a lotion or your coffee, just one little act of gifting yourself this experience and it's really going there darling I'm giving you this moment I'm giving you this lovely smelly body wash just really play with the idea of gifting yourself just one breather in this crazy distress because we're going to be in here for quite a long time and this is about survival and like I said with the dolphin just keep coming up for air and it's gifting yourself one moment of peace in a moment in a day and then another one and another one. You don't have to do long practices because at this stage we can't do long practices. Just tiny one-second, one-minute practices. Thank you, Bhavna. And I'm sure that everybody in Hawke's Bay at the moment will uh, benefit from being a student like me. Thank you, and you've been listening to Alive with Bhavna. If you have any questions for me... um, you can find me on the website, alivepsych.co.nz. Or if you have questions that you'd like Natalie to ask me, um, you can contact her on www.radiohawksbay.org.nz. It's the website. Or you can do natalie at radiohawksbay.org.nz for email. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye.
This programme was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.